Hey yo, welcome to the winner's circle. Polish your crown, here to optimize your workflow. That service now. This ain't your typical run-of-the-mill tech taco G's. We're the best in the field. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question: Who the realest be? Unapologetic. If we said it, then we meant it. Foundation built on trust, authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way. Only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh, what success? I'll let you hey everyone, school. welcome make to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host Robert the Duke Fedoric, and I am Corey CJ Wesley. This episode is brought to you by Clear Sky. ClearSky is the only identity governance and security solution built natively on ServiceNow. It optimizes enterprise identity and risk management with a platform-first approach. Look, we have built a great digital world where we can plug and play people into our applications and information globally. Great for speedy operations, but can be a real nightmare for risk and security and governance who are left asking, who has access to what? Who authorized that? Should they still have it? When's the last time we checked? This is why CJ and the Duke love ClearSky. All of the benefit of a company with decades worth of ILM and IGA experience with a solution that's built natively on ServiceNow, the platform that we all trust. ClearSky, optimized identity management built natively on ServiceNow. Check the description below for an episode CJ and I did on ClearSky, as well as how to contact them. Man, I love that new intro. God, you can't get enough of it. <laughs> Dude, like seriously one of our best investments. <laughs> All right, what are we talking about today, man? All right, today, Duke, we're going to talk about the pre-boot camp. What do you need to know before you get to the boot camp and to make your experience and make sure you get the best out, get the most out of it? Yeah, is it the right thing for you and give you a certain a certain level of pre-knowledge so that some of the new concepts don't completely take you off guard, let's say. Yeah, absolutely. Everything that you're going to do in the boot camp has like its basis and some skills that you should bring with you. Mm-hmm. And so you should know what those skills are before you get there so you can make sure you have them so that you can keep up, right? I know boot camp is a school, right? It's a class. And when you get in there, right, it's going to move at a certain pace. That pace will hopefully be fast enough and slow enough, right? So that you can keep up, but that you're also being challenged. But the key to knowing whether or not it's fast enough or slow enough for you specifically is knowing what skills you need to bring to the table before you get there. That's right. And what kind of stuff you're going to be learning? And I think that's a great segue into point one is, do you have to be technical in order to take a ServiceNow bootcamp? Yeah, that's a good question, Duke. I say you have to have some measure of technical uh, being technical right like technical knowledge that doesn't mean that you have to know how to code that doesn't mean that you have to have done like enterprise it before or even help desk, right but i do think it means you have to understand a little bit about technology before you get to the boot camp and you and all of this stuff is freely available online there are a lot of classes out there, of course, is YouTube videos. Boom, YouTube videos. There are a ton of YouTube videos. And I guess TikTok now? I don't know for you kids. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a ton of videos and stuff, videos on those mediums, right, that'll get you caught up on some of the intro and the basics and stuff. Do yourself a favor and find that stuff. Get read up on it. And we'll talk a little bit about what those specific videos look like or those skills look like so you know what to search for. But I do think there is a measure of being technical that's required before you enter 
a class that's designed to teach you to be technical? I, I am emphatically, yes, there is going to be a lot of technical stuff. Now, I think too many people will disqualify themselves at that point, thinking I'm not a technical person. Now, it's not like you're figuring out what every pin on a motherboard does. Not that kind of technical. Right. But a mindset that is disciplined around engineering type thought. How does this work? What are the components that is made out of? How does it go? You have to be technical in that sense. And if you see you blow up, no matter what position you choose, some are more technical than others. But at the end of the day, you are creating a solution for either the company that employs you or a company that hires the company that employs you. Right. Right. And if you're building a solution, there's just no way around the fact that all solutions are somewhat technical. They are composed of other pieces and how well those pieces together could come together is how well the solution succeeds. So yes, you do have to be technical. We'll get into the details on what things you have to be technical on, but A, yes, you do have to be technical. B, don't let that scare you. Just be prepared for it. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Don't let that scare you. Just be prepared for it, right? Because you are seeking to learn how to use a technological platform to do work for folks. So yeah, I think it's disingenuous to approach it thinking that there's no technical that you'll have to learn, right? Like you will have to be technical at, at some point, you know, the evolution of your skill set will go that way. Absolutely. What else you got, Duke? Uh, let's see. Point number two on this one is know what ServiceNow is used for. What do you think about that? Well, we did a whole episode on it. It's called Work is BS. We will have, <laughs> <laughs> have a link in the description below. Everybody take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> no um, doubt. I find that it's really difficult for people to describe the value that they've that they can do and, and the types of things they can do on the platform unless they really have a firm I'm talking like you feel it in your guts understanding of what it is ServiceNow does and if you just take that question and meditate on it what is ServiceNow for and you're not finding a good answer like oh it's kind of an ITSM and efficiency and da, 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 da. no go back listen to our work as BS and we'll just, we'll give you the bullet points here. Work is bullcrap. We all love our jobs, most of us, but there's stuff about work. All of the um, organization of work is really what sucks. So how do you know what stuff you have to do? You always yeah. have more stuff to do than time to do it in. So which is the most important? That's work prioritization. Is that piece of work part of a series of other jobs for one overarching task? So how is the work sequenced? Is this more important than that? Prioritization. I'm just a wheel in the cog of a bigger machine. So how does work flow? And these are all problems we have in doing work without systems like ServiceNow. And so system ServiceNow is a system to make work more visible, more governed, more automated, more integrated. So absolutely, Duke. I think... <laughs> work is bs like first of all i love that rant it never gets old but you're absolutely right for me it's all about 
knowing how you want to create the efficiencies around process management, around work management, really. It's like you, when you're walking through any kind of process and everything's a process, right? We don't think about, you know, our daily lives that way often. And we definitely don't think about jobs that way in terms of like, you know, what's the process, but most things that you do are a process. And so when you start to break it down and figure out, okay, like step one, step two, step three, step four, step, step five, like ServiceNow maps directly to that, you know, and the optimization of it. So what does that all mean? First of all, you should re, you should go and um, do the intro to ServiceNow course over at Now Learning. That's the first place to start. That's going to get you um, get you caught up on how to actually utilize the platform, like what ServiceNow mm-hmm. does and how it does it, right? Like, you know, where yeah. to click, how to click, you know, the whole going to give you some good fundamentals on what the platform is designed to do, right? And, you know, it, it, and listen to our episode, seriously, this is like the fifth time I've said it, but you got to feel this in your guts. And I think if you listen to that episode, you will feel it in your guts. Every job you've ever had. My first job was pedaling an ice cream bicycle, either that or shampooing carpets. I can't remember at this point. Anyways, <laughs> it wasn't the work that was the problem. It was just like all the craziness around managing that work. And there's tons of it. So everybody's felt, everybody has felt what service now is for now learn how to articulate it. So if you, if you know that going into one of these boot camps beyond just like, Oh, service now sounds like a great gig. It is, <laughs> but you'll have a way easier time if you fundamentally know in your heart what ServiceNow is for. Then you can like on a, under a microscope, you can zoom in and figure out what types of work within the ecosystem are of real value. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. All of that. Right. And all of that stuff is, is what you're going to build on when you start building your ServiceNow career. Right. Because you're going to see that stuff and clients going to come to you and say, hey, we need a service down person to do X, Y and Z. Right. That X, Y and Z is going to be some of this stuff we just talked about. Right. And so you're going to have to figure out how to map that knowledge against the client's desire and deliver value. Right. That's why internalizing it, like Duke said, in your gut. Right. Like that's a super important thing. Right. Because then it allows you to talk about it with with some degree of of expertise. Okay. Item number three, and this is kind of like the first of technical concepts you're going to have to come to grips with and just understand like as fast as you can read the English language, that's how well you have to understand this concept. And that is databases, especially relational databases. Yeah. And I think if you're not, if you're not coming from IT or application design, maybe the idea of a database is like a little bit scary or confusing. So we're going to break it down really, 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 really fast. So imagine, Corey, imagine, imagine we like started up a help desk, right? Okay. And we, and we got like zero tools, like maybe we got Excel. So what would be the first thing we would do? We go into Excel and we'd make out all the columns, right? And there's yeah. like first name, last name, phone number, what the problem is, what building they're in, the category, the problem, et cetera. Everything we care about about a ticket. We'll just write it in Excel. Can we all agree that, you know, what we do? Yes, as long as you allow me to say how much I hate Excel. (laughs) Okay, but pick any other tool, any digital tool, right? You're just going to write down a bunch of stuff. Okay, now, everything that, what you've essentially done is you've created a table, right? You have a sheet and you've got columns across the top. Those are all the things we care about. And that's the columns in the table or fields. Fields, columns, properties. You'll hear those terms all the time. Yep. And, but what's the real problem with that, Corey? If you have a table, you can store everything in it. What's the first problem that comes up? Oh, first problem I always think about, you got too much there. 
right? Like it's really hard to like in terms uh, of scrolling, yeah. Yeah, like you get too many records there, right? Like, and the more horizontal width you get in the table, right? Like, the harder it is mm-hmm. at that point to form any relationships between the data that you have. Right? Okay. Like, so, I'll t- what I hate is the fact that our friend Aliskander, Aliskander Giannakopoulos from 22 Restigouche Road calls, and he calls once every couple of days. All right. Is anybody else like sweating about the fact that you're typing in Alaskander Giannakopoulos from 22 Restigouche Road? Like, how do you even spell Restigouche? And how are you going to rely on 10 people on the help desk to spell that consistently every single time? Ah, I follow you. <laughs> you see what I mean? <laughs> I it, do, yeah. It's like, it can, like, God bless the dude, right? Love his name sounds fun. Really fun to say. Not fun to spell. Right. <laughs> And right. are we going to take the extra minute every time we're going to ask this dude, our favorite customer, every single time, how do you spell your name? Right. And so anyways, so what you do is you create a separate Excel sheet and you say, let's put a place for all of our users and we'll track first name, last name, location, phone number. And then that way on our main sheet, when we're just taking help desk tickets, all I have to say is get me customer one, Alexander Giannakopoulos. And I don't have to worry about the spelling. All I've said is customer one, please. Right. So that's what we call a relational database now because the incident table or our ticketing table relates to some other table. When I want a user, I go to the user table. When I want a location, I go to the location table. When I go to the company table. And then each of these tables can store only the stuff we care about that thing in the table. Yeah. See, that's what I meant dude, when I said like, you know, too many, like the, uh, the one sheet gets, uh, way too, way too large horizontally, right? Like if you're trying to store users and companies and locations and incidents all in one table, right? Like technically you can do that. Yeah. It's nasty looking. Right. But like technically you can do, you just keep, you just keep adding an infinite number of fields, but how the heck do you use that? Like you can't fundamentally, right? So that, and that's where the relationship, relational database comes in, right? Like if you have those those extra tables, um, then you can refer to those, right? And so when you the first thing you you notice when going into service now, like if you're opening an incident, incident, right, there is a field there for user. It's a reference field, right? That means it references it references another table, right? And it references the user table. And so then you pull up a uh, a view of the users there, and you go ahead and click on that. It brings you in. And it brings the user there. Now you want to reference a location and you want to reference, you know, so on and so forth. Right. So that's the, that, that is the beauty of, of, of the re- relational uh, data, dude, which I, I totally agree with. You can, you can keep these different tables with validated data in separate places. Right. And you can maintain them in separate places, but you can also reuse them in separate places too. Yep. And zero human error on it on form entry. Right. right. Every, everything is stored where it needs to be stored. Everything is maintained where it needs to be ta- maintained. We could probably do a whole episode on just the miracle. It really is a miracle, right? Like <laughs> relational databases are a miracle in terms of organizing the data. But you do have to know this because ServiceNow is a relational database. And when you build your solutions, you're going to have to understand like the impact of that. Like so many times I've had to correct people going through the cohorts because they're building whole other user tables. They're building whole other location tables. I'm like, why are you building another one of these? Well, 
this solution needs one too. Well, you've got one of them. That's the miracle of it. You use that one. Right. Right. So that's one of the technical things you will have to know. I think you should know pre-bootcamp. All right. Yeah, what's something else absolutely. we got to know? Well, you, shouldn't, you should know the types of service now jobs, Duke. Right. Like, oh. you know, what are you likely to be able, what are you likely to come out of a boot camp doing right from an admin to developer, so on and so forth? Yeah. It surprises me how not known this is. Like th- I get a lot of questions on just this. I mean, we did three episodes on the different types of work, right? We did, we did admin, we did BA, we did architect. That was our first episode. There's a ton. It's not just, you know, admin or developer, an architect, right? Like those are kind of like fundamentals, like, or maybe to a certain extent, I classify those as almost experience levels to a certain degree. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, there's some element of that. I guess not like a hard mapping, right? But you know, it's a certain degree, right? Like you do need a little bit more experience to be an architect than you do to be an admin, right? But there is a, yeah, but I can definitely see a direct path from admin to architect and skipping dev because an admin, yeah. you know, in, in a lot of ways will know a lot about the platform and, and can know a lot about the platform without building code on it. And then, uh, then there's just the way the market overlaps these things anyway. Like there's yeah. so many admin slash devs. <laughs> yeah. There's so many one man bands, one woman bands in the service now world. Yeah. Especially customer side, right? I get the feeling that, you know, the ServiceNow job market is still optimized for the one person gig, yeah, right? Like yeah. I, I own the instance, I'm the only ServiceNow person at my job. There are 25,000 people using it and, 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 and I do everything, right? But a bit of a sidetrack there. But I mean, when I think about types of ServiceNow jobs as a whole, right? I think about our niches episode, right? Some of those things where once you come out of a boot camp and once you're skilled up, what are you going to do in a ServiceNow ecosystem? Are you going to be a developer or an architect? That's one thing. Like that whole yeah. set of you know skills is one thing. But are you going into like asset management or CMDB or ITBM or whatever the name of it is this month? Or are you going to go to go on to something like ITOM, right? Like in, in, if you've got like IT bonafides that you can mix in with your now yeah. new service now expertise, so on and so you know, things like that, right? That's what I think about when I think about like the type of service now jobs out there. There are these niches that you can slide yourself into. Oh man, I think it's really important that we drag that dead horse out to swing a couple more times. Because <laughs> I think one thing that newcomers have completely undue pressure, irrational amounts of pressure is go pick a niche in ServiceNow. And I'm like, how on earth are you going to pick a niche in ServiceNow when you don't even have, you're at the point where you're going to start a boot camp and you can be like a couple weeks in, maybe not even in, and somebody's telling you, you got to pick a niche. Like, no, you don't. Like what you have to do is learn the fundamentals. Yes. All of the veteran niched players in the ServiceNow market had something else when they got to the fundamentals. Or... They adopted something once the fundamentals was learned, right? I'm sure there were people who were like pristine SecOps people before they even saw ServiceNow, right? Right. But they had something beforehand. They had a ServiceNow process niche before they had the technical shops on ServiceNow, right? But then a lot of us, me, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I, I was doing plain old admin stuff, plain old dev stuff until somebody basically borderline forced me to look into ITBM and SPM. 
but there's there i don't think there's a path where it's like i don't have the service now fundamentals and i don't have a process niche pre-existing where you can walk in and say this is my niche i don't know how you could do it yeah i mean it's a really good point duke and i think this is kind of a a, a part in the, in the in the episode where there's i want to acknowledge a little bit of a split here because there are the folks who are going to come to boot camp and not knowing service now who will have some technology experience, right? Who will have some process experience, right? Real world processes for whatever that process might be, right? Like it's like we said, it's a lot of them out there. And then there are going to be some folks who are approaching this from the standpoint of not having done anything that could directly be related to a service now niche in their past, yeah. right? And so, like you said, if you're in that latter group and you've never done anything that you can see obviously relates to a service now niche, right? How you create a niche in a in a boot camp, right? Or in your first or second service now class, right? Like that's impossible. Right. Don't even try. Like you just need to be learning the fundamentals of the platform, like Duke said, right? Like just learn how service now works, get your skill up in how service now works. And then you'll find the parts of it through experience that kind of you gravitate towards. And then you double down there. Right. Mm -hmm. Like once you figure out, oh, man, I really freaking love asset management. Then you double down there and then you start figuring out like some industry specific asset management training or understanding and marry that with your service now, you know, skills. Right. And now you are an industry leading asset management resource. Right. And that and that changes the way the market looks at you. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and disagree a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Conflict. <laughs> <laughs> Almost 80 episodes. This is the first time. <laughs> this, yeah, right. <laughs> okay. I think you got to be comfortable with not being industry leading anything. All right. For, for this part of your career, right? Yeah. Asset management is a business discipline. Like you go back to Egypt while they're building the pyramids and talk about assets and they will understand you. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a hard discipline of its own, meaning like either by school or by life work experience, people become asset managers. But I don't think people become asset managers by reading something or like studying the ServiceNow tool. And now I understand how asset management works. No, you, you've seen what ServiceNow's interpretation is on some of the asset management process, but you haven't managed assets for an organization. Right. And so like, I, I don't say that to discourage, like don't go into the platform and don't aspire to be IT asset manager. No do aspire, but realize that there's going to be a whole separate learning path on that. Like Lawrence Tyndall from Glidefast, dude just published a whole book, like a whole ass book <laughs> on, <laughs> on IT asset management. And, you know, dude's got courseware all over the place. Like, like it's a whole other discipline of learning. Did I mischaracterize your position? Sorry. No, you're good, man. I, I, my, my point there was that I, I think at a certain point you will start to feel a, a, a bit of the platform more strongly than others. Right. For sure. and, yeah. Yeah. And at that point, that's when you want to double down on some additional learning in that process that exists outside of ServiceNow. Now you want to double down on your ServiceNow learning on that plat on that process too, right? Because you want to know how to implement it inside the platform. Yeah. But these are to your point, and I think this is the part that I skipped past, but these are business verifiable and bona fide business processes with a whole body of work and knowledge that exists around them outside of the ServiceNow ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if you want to become leading in that area in the ServiceNow ecosystem, 
you have to understand how it works from a business perspective, also outside of the ServiceNow ecosystem, so you can bring those qualities to your um, to your engagements with your clients. Yep. I would learn it outside of ServiceNow. It's so, so important. Yeah. Um, no I think maybe we didn't have this on the on the on the board, but maybe we can talk a little bit about how people integrate their past lives to an to an advantage. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. All right. So I'll kick you want to kick that one off or you want how Sure, you I'll take this it? one. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Especially in the context of next gens, because next gens are is it not people who already have like significant life experience? Is it is next gen for everybody or is it for people who are doing work changes? Not entirely sure. Okay. Near near my. So for those people who are maybe have already had a career and they're switching, they're switching careers. I get a lot of when I talk to them, I hear a lot of like it's ang- it's anxiety because I came from another world and I don't know this world. That's true, okay? But that gives you a unique advantage over maybe other people who haven't because you've seen a lot of how life works, like work life works that somebody with not as much work experience would not have experienced right now. So like when we talk about how the whole work is BS thing (laughs) and all the things about organizing work and how frustrating and damaging that can be, like you've already, you already get that. So you have the the ability of integrating that into your service now learning from a, from a place of guts, from a place of lived experience, you can understand why these solutions need to exist. Absolutely. And, you know, Duke, there isn't enough talk about bringing your past with you to your future. There's a lot of thought on this that you're going to learn something that's going to make you better as if what you brought to the table wasn't good enough. And I just don't think that that's true. Um, I think all skills, you know, help you over the course of your life. I mean, there's a lot that I've learned from even before I was working, right? Like my first job was at um, Popeye's Chicken, right? When I was 16. And there's a lot that I learned there that I still bring to like client engagements now. And you might say, oh, what do you mean by that? I mean, you're working at Popeye's Chicken, like your first job is customer service. Yeah. And everybody you speak to there has a request, a task for you to a certain degree, right? Like you got to execute it. And how do you execute tasks? You go through a process, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like process. Like (laughs) how many McDonald's out there are run by like the four people? Like there's four people run that whole thing. There's like just carloads after carloads after carloads of people every minute. And it's like, and it's just like, they got the process down. Dude, I ran a Popeye's with two people. Right. Like I wasn't running it. Right. Like I, I was on the back end, but it was me and a manager mm-hmm. and we ran that store with two people until help came. You know what I mean? And it's because we both knew the processes really well and we both were really good at the job. Right. And we both, you know, focused on execution and we both were focused on customer service. And, you know, we did all of those things. And so all what my point to all of that is, right, like you could take all of that stuff and map that directly to your next thing in life. Right. Yep. Because it's still valuable. Right. Don't throw it away. Because you you went through that experience. That experience was hard earned. Don't throw it away. Like take it and figure out how you want to map that to your next thing and then do that. I would say at the very least, what you bring is knowledge of a work paradigm that somebody else hasn't experienced. And therefore you have all kinds of inspiration fuel for stuff you can build on service now to up your skill. That's another episode. We did a whole episode on that. Absolutely. Link in the description below. But shoot, man, like 
again, my first job, I can't, I, honest to God, I can't remember if it was shampooing carpets or riding the ice cream bike, but let's take the ice cream bike episode. What on earth can service that teach me about service now? Build an app for managing a ice cream bike franchise. And just yep. think about that. How many bikes do you own? How much do they cost? Can you depreciate them? When was the last time they were maintained? That's just the bikes. Okay, now you've got a central hub with all your ice cream inventory in it, right? How much inventory do you actually have in it? And every bike for every route, every single day, will take inventory out of that hub inventory. So every day, you've got to recheck that inventory. And every day, you've got to check the sales performance of the bike against that inventory, right? Because they might have taken out 100 units of ice cream, but somehow it's only come back with 95 units of payment. Right. And so, and then there's the cash floats. Did the, did the bikers come back with as much or less cash float for making change and such as they did beforehand? And then you have routes, like some of those routes are more profitable than others. And so how are you going to distribute those routes evenly amongst your riders? What happens if one of your riders gets sick? It's insane. The amount of app build inspiration you can just get out of something, out of knowing how something works that nobody else knows. Right. You ever been a guitar tech at a concert? Like, <laughs> I haven't, but I'd love to figure out how that works. No, seriously, right? Have you ever been a like a hairstylist, a beautician? Have you ever been like uh like somebody on a construction site? Like, I don't. There's just man. I you know what I have been Duke is I I helped run a conference once before. Okay, it was like a knowledge conference, but not like. For ServiceNow or an IT or anything like that, but I was I was um, coordinating IT operations for a global conference for the uh, logistics portion of a um, distributor who was there, and they were um, they were responsible for a lot of the inbound product and making sure it gets distributed to all of the booths, and so that you know that their clients had the things that they needed in order to like spin up their expo. Right. And, and actually, you know, talk to their customers and demonstrate and all that kind of stuff. And I was helping them coordinate the logistics and IT portion of it. Right. And that was cool. Right. When, when I think about that, it's like that is a skill set that, that is weird, really weird and, and, and a job that's really odd to have. Like how many people have run like a professional conference like that or had any kind of involvement at, from like a massive scale like that from literally tracking packages from the time that they're shipped to when they get to the loading dock here and making sure that trays know that they're here and they move the things around, all that, right? Like the whole process. Again, right? Like no matter where you look, right? You can find aspects where ServiceNow would have helped you in the past and how to relate your past experience to ServiceNow in the future. <laughs> yeah. At, at minimum, it gives you that. It may give you other social advantages too. Like there's one example I keep giving about a woman I talked to who was a phlebotomist and she was talking about how that could work to her advantage. And I'm like, imagine what a phlebotomist has to experience every day in terms of like interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. Like, hi, I got five seconds to establish a rapport with you because I'm going to shove this sharp metal object Uh, into uh. your arm, you know, and draw blood out of it. (laughs) Like That's what they have to do. And they have to establish a rapport and trust and get you to not freak out. And they have to do it in seconds. And IT is like, we have really tough stakeholders. (laughs) right it's like yeah okay (laughs) completely different definition of tough (laughs) one time at a a company i worked for they had this like ex-special forces guy who came in to be like an itil problem and uh incident manager and they're literally telling this guy 
Like, are you sure you're ready for our stakeholders? Are you sure ready for our <laughs> our ferocious stakeholders? He's like, yeah, I'm jumping out of planes 800 feet and walking into villages where I don't speak the language, hoping to find friends. I, I don't be okay. <laughs> right? I was like, yeah, no, I, I got this. <laughs> so I think that one more thing you can bring with you is a mindset that even though you're going into something new, maybe it's got all kinds of richer financial reward for you, but don't discount where you came from, no matter where you came from. Yes. And that's in terms of work, hobby, social, whatever, all of those things will inform your imagination about ways you can apply service now. And that will fundamentally change how well you're able to learn service now. I think that's all that, I got. <laughs> yeah, man. I think I think we wrapped it up, Duke. I think right. that's the end. I think that's the end. <laughs> 79 episodes, still no outro. <laughs> <laughs> Hey yo, welcome to the winner's circle. Polish your crown, here to optimize your workflow. That's service now. This ain't your typical run of the mill. Tech talk, go G's, we're the best in the field. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question who the realest be? Unapologetic, if we said it, then we meant it. Foundation build on trust, authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way, only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh, what's success? I'll let you in on the scoop make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth come on yeah make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth yeah cj and the duke what's that huh service now come on yeah i said welcome to the winner's circle yeah yeah